So how do you get started on writing a story? This is a question that a couple of newcomers to the writing business have asked me recently and it dawned on me that I don't really have a podcast episode for beginning writers because my audience tends to be made up of experienced writers. And because I have experience and because I've been blessed to have interviewed some best-selling authors of fiction and nonfiction, I thought I would take this opportunity to create a podcast episode for the beginning writer. So welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit and I'm an award-winning author of books for middle grade readers and women's fiction. And I welcome you to this podcast which is about all things writing, writing tips, conversations about writing, and I interview published authors who give us their stories about how they made it into the writing business. And it is that, a business. And so welcome. In this episode, I wanted to talk to you, the newcomers, those who have a story, a story idea, but you don't know where to go next. So what do you do first? Well, you have to figure out what type of writer you are. I am a planner probably because I taught writing for so long and I had my students outline their stories. I find comfort in planning my story and I use an app called Trello. Trello is a free downloadable app for your desktop and it is a great way to organize your projects. When you open up Trello, you'll see that you can create lists and under each list, is a card, several cards that you can add. I have a list for the plot development. I have a list for each of my characters where I figure out what their darkest moment was, their black moment, their greatest fear, their greatest flaw, their hopes and dreams, their goals. And it really helps to put in a little bit of description of your characters too. But Trello is wonderful because you can copy the link to the board and invite friends your peers to your board. So if you have a group of peers who are helping you plot or they are your beta readers, they can be invited to your board and see the progression of your story. They can add comments, suggestions as you go. It's a wonderful way to collaborate and you can even invite your mentor, which I have done. I've invited my mentor to my Trello board and she puts in comments there and ask me some questions to help me develop my characters even deeper. So that's number one, preparing. Nobody builds a house from scratch. Nobody, you know, (laughs) trains for a marathon by just getting up off the couch and running. There has to be some sort of a plan, but just because there is a plan doesn't mean you have to stick with it. And I think that's why a lot of writers hesitate to outline. They think that because they've outlined a story, they have to stick with it, and that's not true. So don't fear the outline. It is just a guide for you to have so that your story has some, uh, it makes sense and it flows better. The next thing that I would suggest is to follow the Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 format that most writers use, whether it's for plays or books or movies. There's always an Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. And in following this format, you're ensuring that your readers will have a place to go. 
Previously in this podcast, I've discussed the hero's journey and goals, the hero and goals. This is something that you need to decide beforehand. You may have a great character. I'll take uh, Tony Stark, for instance. Great character. A lot of development there, very deep. Uh, Has a past that we find out about. He is one way when we first meet him, and at the end of the story of Iron Man, he's a totally different person because of everything that happened to him, including, and most importantly, the inciting incident. So that's another thing you need to work on. So you have your character, and you love your character, and you're working on her and developing how she's going to be, who she is, what happened to her in the past, and how that's affected her present. And then you've developed a goal, who she's going to be in the future. So past, present, future. Why? Why does it have to be this way? Well, because that's how life is. Now, she has to have some sort of a flaw, because if you've written your character as being perfect, that's boring. There is no perfect person, and readers like to be able to connect with your character. So if she's perfect, you need to add a flaw. So I'll give you an example I used to give my students um, when teaching this character development. Let's say you have the blonde, perky cheerleader, captain of the cheerleading team in high school, and she's just perfection, you know, straight-A student and everything. She's bound for college. She just got a full-ride scholarship to Harvard, and she's just on her way. Well, boring, boring, boring. Nobody wants to read about that person. First of all, she doesn't exist. And second of all, everybody has a flaw. So what kind of flaw does she have? Well, maybe we find out in the inciting incident that it's been discovered that she cheated on her SATs. And if anybody finds out, well, there goes her scholarship, there goes her reputation for being perfect, and everything shatters. Now that's the making of a story. You have a character, and then you have something that happens to the character. Now you, as the writer, have to decide how she reacts and responds to what happened to her. The next thing you have to decide is, as you're working on Act 2, are all the good things that are going to happen, all the successes that your character is going to have, and all the failures that she's going to have, too. And again, back to Tony Stark, we have... You know, the incident that happens and he's in a cave in Afghanistan now fighting for his life. The successes, he gets out of there. But some of the failures are that now he doesn't want to do what he did before, which was manufacture weapons. Everything's changed because of that inciting incident. So then he has some successes. He's going to go in a new direction. But then he has some failures. Now his business kicks him out because they want to keep manufacturing weapons. There's a lot of money involved in that. So now he has a failure. But then he has a success, and that his Iron Man machine works, and he goes and enacts vengeance on the terrorists who had hurt him and his friend when he was in that cave in Afghanistan. But then he has some failures, because now the bad guys have uh, a chance to make their own version of that Iron Man suit. And it just goes on and on from there. Success and then failure. Success and then failure. Culminating in the largest failure called the crisis point. And I used to use A Bug's Life when I taught writing. When Flick 
is just at the end of his ropes. He's lost Princess Ada. She doesn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. She kicks him out of the colony. The circus bugs are on their way out, so he doesn't have the warrior bugs anymore to help fend off the grasshoppers. Everybody's disappointed in him, and all he ever wanted to do is make a difference. And there he is with the circus bugs, feeling like a failure. And they try and encourage him, but it's not working. Until little Dot flies up to him holding a rock. And she plops it down in front of him, and he looks at it, and she says, pretend it's a seed. And that takes Flick all the way back to the beginning of the story when he encourages her by giving her a rock and saying, pretend it's a seed. And when doing that, that gets him back up on his feet toward victory. And he is back on the hero's journey, headed toward the climax with the bad guy, which is the head of the uh, grasshoppers. So... Your second act has to have some successes and some failures culminating in the big failure that causes your character to want to give up and think that he or she cannot go on any further until that voice of truth, little dot, comes along and provides the rock and says, pretend it's a seed and reminds your character that he or she can do it and sets them on their path to the climax. So that's act two. Now act three is what happens after the big climactic battle between good and evil. And you might be saying, no, there is no battle between good and evil in my story. Well, there has to be some sort of a climax. And that leads to your antagonist. And your antagonist is the opposite of your character. The antagonist is what's putting all those obstacles in your character's path to success. It doesn't mean the villain. An antagonist is not a villain. Those are two separate things. Because an antagonist can be character versus nature. It can be a storm that came in and ripped through the town. It can be, uh, you know, the iceberg that sinks the Titanic. It can be a coach who has good intentions and loves your character but keeps putting obstacles in her path. It could be your favorite, the, the character's favorite teacher. It could be the parent. So it's not always a bad guy. It could be, you know, horrible uh, diagnosis, medical diagnosis. You know, uh, like in the movie Doctor Strange, it was the accident that he had and then the diagnosis. His hands would never be the same and he could never be a surgeon again. That's an antagonist that haunts him, but he's able to process and work through it. So your antagonist is whatever you want it to be, but that's the main reason for all these obstacles or conflict that you are putting in your story's path. Conflict. That's another one. You have to decide what's the conflict in your story. It could be character versus character, you know, character versus self, where your character just keeps talking himself out of the, you know, the journey. It could be character versus nature, like I said, that big tornado that comes in and rips apart the, the town. Or it could be character versus nature in that it's an animal, a wild animal, um, you know, supernatural animal, demons, the devil. It could be werewolves or whatever. It could be character versus uh, destiny, like in um, my book, The Dragon Force. Peter has a goal, but his destiny keeps getting in the way and causing conflict. Like in uh, King Arthur, the 13-year-old boy pulls out the sword from the stone and his life is forever changed. He is destined to be king now. That's his destiny and it becomes an antagonist to him. 
Harry Potter, same thing. Luke Skywalker, same thing. So character versus destiny is a very famous conflict that is used in literature. We have it with Frodo in Lord of the Rings, where your character is the chosen one, you know, to take the ring into Mordor, to, you know, be king and uh, save the kingdom, to be the wizard that's going to destroy Lord Voldemort. So you can have that, character versus destiny. You can have character versus society, which is like in the Hunger Games or in Terminator, or in Divergent. All these stories have character versus society. That's typical in dystopian type books or stories. And that's where the character is up against an entire social system. And there's really nothing they can do about it. They just have to persevere. So this is up to you, the type of conflict that you want. Um, whether it's nature or supernatural, the character himself, another character, which would be the villain, you have to decide before you start writing what's going to put all these obstacles in your character's path. Why? Because that's what challenges them and makes them grow. Think of yourself, your own life story. If you had everything handed to you, you know, you wouldn't grow much. Resistance is what makes us grow, just like with strength training. When you lift weights, you have to increase the weight to increase the resistance to increase the growth of the muscle. Just like with running, you increase the mileage to increase your endurance. So you have to have these obstacles in the path of your hero. Like uh, in my book, The Dragon Force 2, some of my students who read my book said, wow, Mrs. Douthat, you put a lot of obstacles in Peter's path. You really beat him up a lot. And I said, yes, but he keeps getting back up. If you notice, he keeps going. And your readers want that because they want to cheer for your character. They really want to root them on. They want them to win, just like with the Harry Potter series. Everybody cheers for Harry, and they want him to win at the end. So your type of conflict, and there could be more than just one in the Harry Potter series. We have many types of conflict, character versus character. There's always some sort of minor villain put in Harry's path. And then there's character versus self. He's always trying to talk himself out of things. So you can have many types of conflict in your story, but you have to decide before you write what type of conflict that's going to be. And that's your antagonist. But that leads to the villain. Now you may have a villain in your story. It's up to you. But the villain absolutely is against your hero. Now he or she may start out being for your hero and then something happens that causes them to turn against your hero. So your villain in your story is also putting obstacles in your character's path but in a different way because the antagonist may not necessarily have an evil intent you know, like it, it may be the parent. They, they may not have evil intent, but they keep putting all these roadblocks in your hero's path. But the villain absolutely has evil intent. They want to ruin, they want to destroy your hero. So if it is a coach that becomes the villain, there has to be a reason why they don't want this perky cheerleader to go on having a great life, you know, and be the captain of the cheerleading team. Just like with Tony Stark, Obadiah seemed like he was for Tony. He seemed like he was on his side, 
He'd known him a long time, all his life, knew his father. But at the end, something happened that turns Obadiah against Tony Stark, and he becomes the villain of the story. He puts absolute obstacles in Tony's way because he has every intention of causing harm. Tony and Obadiah have a connection. Voldemort and Harry Potter had a connection. Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker have a connection. Sauron and Frodo have a connection. So your villain has to have a connection to your hero. Just like you're developing goals in a dark moment and a, a fatal, you know, greatest fear or a flaw of your character, you have to develop all of that for your villain as well. There has to be some sort of a backstory that caused him or her to go bad. With Obadiah in Iron Man, it was probably jealousy. He probably was very jealous of Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark, and all his successes. And then Tony Stark comes along as this young kid and takes over the company. So that must have started Obadiah on his dark path to wanting vengeance, to wanting to stop Tony Stark. With Lord Voldemort, you find out from reading the Harry Potter series, he does have a connection to Harry Potter, you know, and he definitely hates Harry. So you have to have some sort of a connection between your main character and the villain. Now, again, you might go back and say, but I don't have a villain. I just have an antagonist. Okay, that's fine. A lot of stories have that. But again, there still should be some sense to it. It should make sense. You can't just have a tornado come and rip up the town. There has to be a reason why a tornado came and ripped up your character's town. It should make sense. So at the end of the story, your reader says, oh, now I understand why that happened. And you might say, why? Tornadoes randomly hit towns, and that's true, but not with your story. Your story must answer all those why questions that your readers will have. Because if I, I'm a Star Wars fan, and I, if I've learned anything about Star Wars fans, is they ask all the why. Why did this happen? Why is this character there? Why is this you know, scene set on this planet and, and all that? And it goes on and on. And if you can't answer those whys, your readers are going to be left disappointed. So think of all the things you're going to, all the events, all the incidents that you're going to have, all the symbolism that you're going to have uh, in your story. I once read a friend's uh, story, actually it was a former student's story about her character. Um, her little sister died of cancer and so she goes to become a missionary and goes to a town, a small village in Africa, to carry on her sister's mission. Uh, her desire to want to be a missionary in that small town. That's an amazing plot line, plot development, and it can go in so many fascinating directions. She has a chance now to explain why the cancer came along and took her sister, why her sister was interested in Africa, and why did this older sister want to go and carry on in her sister's place. So many things could be developed from there. That's how your story should be too. So if you have a story where your character is going from point A to point B, there has to be a lot of, you know, answers to the questions, why are they going in that direction? Why are they wearing those clothes? Why are they taking along this sidekick? And on and on. And I used to often use the um, Star Wars stories where 
you know, why was Luke Skywalker a farmer on this barren planet? And why was he helping out his aunt and uncle? You know, and why did he encounter Ben Kenobi? And why did the stormtroopers come and kill his aunt and uncle and send him off on this journey, set him off on a journey, you know? And it just goes on and on from there. And if you get all the way to the Return of the Jedi, it satisfies, it gives you the answers to those questions. So it's, it's not an easy thing to draft a story from scratch. And that's why I recommend that you find some resources. Uh, Susie Mae Warren has oh, some amazing resources to help you go into that deeper point of view, asking all those deeper questions about your character and the villain and all the circumstances surrounding your character and how it affects him or her. Uh, so go to My Book Therapy and you'll find all these resources you can use. K.M. Wyland, who has an amazing podcast and blog. Go visit her podcast and blog, and you will learn a lot about drafting your outline, outlining your story, thinking about all these things. I've had her on my podcast two times now to discuss character development and plot and stories. And, and basically, that's what it comes down to, a good story. And what makes a story good? Well-drafted, interesting characters moving them forward in a way that makes sense, in a way that interests readers. So she has wonderful nonfiction, you know, um, writing books to help you become a better writer. And I've given you a resource called Trello. Download it today, take a look at it, use it to organize your writing projects. That's what I do. I make a list for each chapter. I make a list for characters. I make a list for the plot elements, everything. Also, you can go to Google and take a look at some plot diagrams. I used to have my students fill out plot diagrams because the majority of us are visual learners. And if you use a plot diagram, it helps you to see your story as it progresses. So you can find um, many different types of plot diagrams, print them out, and fill one out for each of your stories. Um, the main character's story, the villain's story, and any, if you have any side characters that are important to your character's journey, do that. Fill out one for that. Um, but plot diagrams are a wonderful tool that have helped millions of writers figure out where their story's going. Okay. And I hope that this podcast episode has helped you. I'll be doing more coming up on a new one about uh, the villain, Villains Part 2. And more episodes about developing your plot because it is very important and I, I again I didn't realize so many of my listeners were new to the writing process so this is exciting to go back and revisit some of these topics in previous episodes I talk about theme I talk about writing for a purpose I talk about heroes and goals and about villains and uh, so revisit some of those episodes to help you understand how to develop each one of those. It's fun. Writing is so much fun, but it is work. It's not an easy process, but when you're finished and you have your story completed and your beta readers are loving it and you've sent it to an editor and your editor loves it, there's no greater feeling. It's like an artist finishing a painting and everybody says, wow, that's wonderful. It's a great feeling. So I wish you the best of luck. I hope that this episode has helped you. Don't hesitate to drop me a line. Uh, visit my website at www.artbyruth.com 
You can subscribe to my newsletter where I also send out writing tips and information about upcoming podcast episodes. And, you know, drop me a line. Let me know if I can help you further on this writing journey. Always going forward on our writing journey. So keep writing. God bless.